Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Romans 12, 9 through 13. Thank you, Abishai. Okay, you be seated. I'm a ski bum pastor, and we actually have a ski church service that meets at the top of this mountain in the wintertime. If you're a skier, you should totally come to it. If you're not, you still should come to it. You can come up in like a parker and some boots and hang out with us at the top. It's, it's a lot, a lot of fun. So I kind of just like talking about, you know, things like Jesus loves you and Jesus came to save you and let's go ski, right? I'll get into this like detail stuff, but Romans has been incredible. Romans is what they call the gospel. It's the explanation of the gospel. Paul wrote it to a church that was arguing. Ever been to a church that's arguing? My dad's a pastor. I have, right? When they told me as a kid that I was going to be a pastor, I said to them, no, thank you. I really don't feel like leading meetings where people argue over carpet color. That's what I thought being a pastor was, right? Because that's what my dad did, right? But then they said, would you like to be a pastor of a ski resort? And I thought, you know what? Everyone wants the same color carpet at a ski resort, white. Sweet, we're all on the same page. So I said, yes, I'll be a ski resort chaplain. Can I ski? Yeah, totally. And uh, so, you know, this church in Rome was doing the same thing. The Jews had kind of started this church in Rome, but then there was this guy, I think his name was Nero or something. He got really angry at the Jews, and he kicked them out of Rome for like five years. And while the Jews were out of Rome, everyone kind of started making their own stuff up at this church service. So they started doing things like not celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacle and celebrating the Feast of you know Unleavened Bread and all those different feasts. They also decided, ah, we don't really want to meet uh, you know, on the actual Sabbath. We're going to meet on a different day. It works better for our schedule, with our culture. We're not, you know you know what? Bacon at men's group is awesome. We're going to do bacon at the men's breakfast. I'm with them on that one, by the way. And, you know, and, and the, you know, Jewish people came back five years later and were like, what are you doing? You totally messed it all up. Oh, my word. And then they were super angry and like, we know it. We know the truth. I've been around Christians like that. I've been around churchgoers like that, right? We know what's going on. We're the chosen ones, you know? And, uh, Paul, and I said this last week, they better be pretty thankful that Paul didn't actually just come and tell them this because I think at that age he had lost his filter. If you read some of Paul's like literature, have you, or have you been around like your grandparents, they're starting to lose their filter. I think Paul was starting to lose his filter. I love my grandmother. I absolutely love my grandmother, but she says some of the things that are just absolutely awesome. Uh, I was taking her to Walmart in Farmington the other day, and there's a Burger King right next to the Walmart. And if you cut through the Burger King parking lot, right, you don't have to wait at the light at the Walmart. It works out great for those that want don't you know that that don't have patience like me. So I'm taking my grandma in her literally gray PT cruiser. I'm taking her in her PT cruiser to Walmart to get her you know prescription filled. Well, I flip into you know Burger King to cut off that light, and Grammy goes, "Oh, are you hungry? Would you like something to eat?" I'm like, "Oh no, Grammy, I'm just cutting off that light." And she goes, "Anyone that uses this packing lot to get to Walmart ought to be murdered." 
I said, what, Grammy? I'm your grandson. She goes, yes, and they should shoot you for going through this parking lot. That's exactly what she said. Their filters are gone. Gone. And I think Paul's filter was gone, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, was he upset at the Roman church when they were fighting over what we should eat, what day we should worship on, how, what kind of music we should have. Should we have it in this, or we should... He was wicked upset. And here's why he was upset, because the, the argument was, one, really surface, really dumb, right? And two, he was like, you just don't get it. Right? He was so excited that there was a church in Rome because why? The saying goes, all roads lead to Rome, right? And that meant that all information, all anything that was current or going on, all came in and out of Rome. And what if there was a unified, right? A unified, loving, kind, supportive, active body of Jesus Christ in Rome? What would happen? That love, that, that, that example of a unified church would then go all over the world. And that's what Paul saw. But these people were too confused and too distracted by dumb things like, what day should we worship on? Paul's like, are you? Oh, my goodness. Jesus did not come and give his life for us to figure out what day to worship him on. Are you crazy? He was so upset, and so he wrote the book of Romans to say, this, this, what I write down, is what we should not disagree on, and the rest of it, okay, just get over yourself, and try some new food, and try a new little dance, and try a new day to worship on, get over yourself. Then he wrote the book of Romans, and here's what he said. He said this in chapter 1. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ saves sinners. The bad news, the corresponding bad news, is that all of us are sinners. We in America don't like that word. We don't like to say it. We don't like to think about it. But if you've had a two-year-old, you realize, okay, yes, we are all sinners. Everyone with a two-year-old just laughed. If you haven't had a two-year-old, you're still just looking at me like, what? Right? I told last week's congregation, I saw a t-shirt that said, owning a two-year-old is like owning a blender without a lid. <laughs> it's very similar. I like that one, right? And the bad news is Paul says this. All have sinned, everyone, and has fallen short of the glory of God. And it says this, the penalty of sin is death, spiritual death, which resulted in physical death. The Bible says that death entered the world by sin, and then sin through one person passed upon all human beings, and that we all are sinners. That's the bad news. The good news, though, is that God, in his great mercy, gave us a rescuer, gave us a savior. Okay, And Paul lays this out over the course of a bunch of chapters. And he doesn't get into what you should wear to church or what you shouldn't, what you should sing at church and what you shouldn't, what day you should go to church on, how many pastors you should have, how big your missions budget should be. He didn't cover any of those. He said that you are fallen and broken 
and I am fallen and broken. And there's only one person and only one thing that can fix us, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you and me on Calvary. There's nothing else. No amount of good works. So we work through all of that, and here we are in Romans chapter 12. So now let's talk about why I'm wearing the Tom Brady jersey. I'm sure that if I asked most of you, a lot of you would identify yourself as a Christian, right? You would identify yourself as a Christian. A lot of people in America do. Now I'm going to ask you a different question. I can see my friends over here are, my friend Elizabeth right there, and probably some of you. How many of you are Patriot fans? Patriot fans. All right. How many really don't like the Patriots at all? It's okay. It's all right. You can be haters. You can be haters. Um, um, I know I'm talking to Patriots, right? Haters. So I'm wearing this jersey today because there's a thing, right, that if you look it up, there's a thing called jersey sales. Like, who has the most sold jersey of all time, okay? Can anyone take a guess over all sports, over all sports, every sport, yes, even the chess club, um, I saw their jersey one time for sale. Actually, they, they didn't have jerseys. They had glasses with white tape in the middle of them. That's not very nice. Um, so, of all jerseys, throw out some names that you think are some high all-time sales Manchester United, can you name a specific player? Yeah, is that the, is that that messy guy? Does he play for that team? No, what, you soccer fans, I'm from America. I wear Who does Messi play for? Wow, we are in America. Who does he play for? I don't know. Barcelona, he does actually. Barcelona. He plays for Barcelona. Um he is actually you nailed it first cuz you said soccer, but He's the number one all-time ever-selling jersey of any sport. What's some other names, though? Who? Ray Bork. I don't even know who that is. I know. Sorry. LeBron James. Joe, Joe Montana. Michael Jordan. Yes, Michael Jordan. LeBron James and Michael Jordan are high up there. Joe Montana, when I looked at the all-time, he's not really quite up there, which is crazy. But he's up there, but not quite. Uh, Gretzky is up there, too. Who else? Derek Jeter is up there pretty high, too. Um, Tom Brady. Long, I, wish, I wish Larry Bird was higher, but he's not as high. Um, you know, he, he sold a couple in, in Bobby Orr. Yeah, I think Larry Bird sold a couple in Indiana and a couple in New England. Huh. <laughs> oh, Bird, I love it. But, yeah, you guys can throw out all these, you know, and we – Beckham, yeah, Beckham. Odell? No, that's football, sorry. Who's the other – who's – David Beckham. He's an actor, right? Oh, soccer. Sorry, 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 sorry. Pele, yes. I'm not a soccer guy, and our youth guy who's at Bible school right now is a huge soccer guy, and he gets so upset when I make jokes like that. He's like, it's the most popular sport in the world. I'm like, okay, good for you. Great. Um, I love watching games that are two to one. That's the best. Um, So... um, where was it going with any of this? A jersey. A jersey. This is representing something. This is a throwback jersey, old school Patriots jerseys, and it's Tom Brady. Right? Tom Brady means something to me. The Patriots mean something to me, right? And, uh, yes, I was a fan of them before Tom Brady. It doesn't fit me anymore, and you're glad that I didn't wear it today, but I did have a Drew Bledsoe jersey. 
maybe would be about here and would be a little bit tight. Uh, but I did have a Drew Bledsoe jersey, and I think I even have a Fran Tarkington jersey somewhere too. Uh, back in yeah, right. I think that one's even smaller. Um, so, uh, but it means something. But here's the thing: a lot of us identify as Christians. We quote unquote wear the jersey, meaning we listen to Christian music. We vote a certain way. We do a specific thing with our time between 9 a.m. and noon on Sundays. We have a specific way that we view the world. You know, we're not big fans of public school. You know, we're not big fans of, of loud music. You know, you know, that kind of stuff, right? That's what has become the jersey of, an, of, of a Christian. But is that really the jersey that Jesus wore? I want you to take your bulletin, and I want you to look at a lineup of things Paul said that I would say is the jersey that Jesus wore. And if you claim to be a Christian, it's the, it's the, it's the jersey that you need to put on. If you are going to say that I, by, by faith, I'm going to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And I'm going to give the Holy Spirit lordship in my life. This is the jersey that you need to wear. And it starts now near the bottom with the word rejoice. And it says, rejoice in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Today's sermon is about persevering in tribulation. My son Jesse absolutely loves riding his dirt bike. And this last week, we got to go to my uh, great grand or my grandparents' farm, his great grandparents' farm, where there's a giant field and had just been mowed, and he absolutely could go anywhere in this 40-acre field, and just went wild. Now, once I saw him getting more and more confident and more and more cocky, I was on my four-wheeler and I waved him over, and he came over. Where'd Jesse boy go? Jesse. So what did I tell you? about your motor, your dirt bike. No, it's not if. It's not if you crash. It's when. If you ride a dirt bike, it's not if you will crash. It's when. Correct? How many skiers and snowboarders? It's not if you fall. It's when. Right? And where is a big part of it, yeah. I really love Tom Brady, and I've really enjoyed watching Tom Brady. Some of the things that Tom Brady does absolutely blows my mind. I played high school quarterback, and I played college quarterback. And one of my favorite elements of Tom Brady is he does this thing better, I think, than almost anybody, and all critics will tell you this too. He throws his receivers open. So he doesn't just throw it to the receiver accurately. He puts the ball in a position where the receiver's body momentum will carry them to a first down or will carry them to the open field or will carry them away from the defender. It's absolutely incredible. You want to know someone who breaks it down unbelievably and he's just as amazed as me is Kurt Warner. Listen to Kurt Warner talk about Tom Brady. He'll tell you that he throws the receivers open. That's why Wes Welker was who Wes Welker was. Wes Welker went and played with Peyton Manning. Did much happen. No, he played with the 
the the the um, the uh, Dolphins before that. How you know who was Chris Hogan? Who is Chris Hogan? If he, if Chris Hogan isn't on the Patriots, he's probably serving Hoagie somewhere down in Connecticut. You know, right? Even our buddy Danny Amendola, love you, Danny. But outside the Patriots, I don't know. You know, and that's what I love about Tom Brady is that he throws people open. Um, I have no idea where I was going with that. I need to stop going on that. Huh? The jersey of a Christian, I get that, but there was something about that. Jesse on the dirt bike. Thank you. That was it. And here's the thing about Tom. It's not if time catches up with Tom. It's when time catches up with Tom. And then all you Patriots haters can be like, ah, you guys didn't make the playoffs. Ha, ha, ha. Remember how that feels? I'm like, no, I don't remember how it feels. It's been like 15 years, you know, since then, right? Time will catch up with Tom. It's not if, it's when. Persevering tribulation. If you want to be a Christian, tribulation is not an if statement. It's a when statement. And I am sorry We in America do not like this portion of Scripture. We in Americans do not like this at all. I don't. We don't. Being comfortable is a multi-billion dollar industry in America. Billion with a B. Right? We AC, heat. I mean, when the AC doesn't work in your car, you feel like you've absolutely like, oh my, this is the worst thing ever. Am I not right? I'd rather, I'm personal, I would rather my heat not work than my AC not work. I hate the heat. I hate it. One time I was uh, greeting people at the bottom of, of Loon, and they came up. It was a bunch of college students in this old beater car, and you know they've spent all their money even just to be at Loon. Right? Even to park at Loon cost them more than they have. And they came in right in this car that had no heat, and they all were in sleeping bags. They all get out of the car, take their sleeping bags off, put the sleeping bags in the car, and then put their ski gear on and go skiing. I was like, I love being in college. You guys are awesome. Give me a high five. Here's a free hot chocolate card. And they're like, oh, it's like gold. I gave them gold. You know, they're like, hot chocolate right now. I think they just poured it in their boot, you know. (laughs) Tribulation is not an if for Christians. It's a when. I've been a pastor now about seven years, and I would say that the number one question I get is why do bad things happen to good people? And though I really can't answer like I'm going to answer right now in front of you, because none of you have really came to me with something right now, but all of you have that question. All of you are either going through something that has that question come to mind, or you've witnessed somebody next to you that you love going through something that asks you why, why, right? Back to the jersey. Jesus' jersey. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Though for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. When we say, when we say, why does bad things happen to good people? What we're saying is this, that our good deeds, my good deeds, your good deeds should put us in a position, should give us some right to not have bad days, to not have bad things happen to us. You won't find that in the Bible. 
Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say anything about that. It, when it comes to tribulation, folks, it always says when. It always says when. And if it was based upon good works, then who should never have suffered ever, ever, ever? Jesus! The Bible said he knew no sin. The Bible said he was perfect. So if it comes down, and the Bible says that he healed the sick, he gave sight to the blind, he made deaf people hear, he rose the dead from the grave. Is that a good deed? It's a lot better than when I raked my neighbor's lawn, I'll tell you that. Nobody came out of the grave when I went like this. I mean, that's a good deed, but I got a little blister. I didn't say, come forth. No. Heard this little boy say, my dad got a promotion. I said, really? He goes, yeah, he's got 500 people working under him now. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. He goes, yeah, he mows the graveyard. I was like, well, that's pretty good, kid. (laughs) Tribulation came to Christ. He suffered. He suffered. Unbelievable suffering. And the thing is, we think about Christ suffering with his lashes and them spitting on him and beating him and then hanging him like a piece of meat to wood. That is great suffering. That wasn't the only, I think sometimes I think, oh, that was the only time he suffered. I think that's why I get, I get tripped. I get duped into thinking, okay, he saved it all for one weekend, suffered all in one weekend and got it over. That's what I think. No, Jesus was born an illegitimate child, folks, in a very conservative town. We forget that. We know he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. We know that he was the son of God. But when he came back to his town, they didn't say that. What did they say? Isn't this Joseph's son? It's exactly what they said. And they used it against him his whole life. Here's what the Pharisees said one time to him. They said, we're of holy descent. We are sons of Abraham. We're not of unholy descent. Is what they said to Jesus. And I think they were digging at him. I think they were digging at him because he was born out of wedlock. I think they were. This was not a one weekend of major suffering and done. I think Jesus suffered migraines like we do. I think he had stomach pain. You know, he didn't have Taco Bell, so it wasn't that bad. You know, I think he endured just like we did. Bible says he was tempted to every way that we could possibly be tempted. So maybe there was Taco Bell because I am tempted sometimes. Tribulation is not an if statement. It's a when. So if it's a when, then we need, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to know how to do it. Each and every one of us. We need to know how to do it. I'd like to give you some thoughts on how to do it based upon Jesus and based upon here. All right? It says, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. 
What I think is beautiful about Paul's language is it's the same language used in the Hebrew verses in chapter 12 that I talked about. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And then it says, who for the joy, so rejoicing in hope, who for the joy set before him. So there's the word joy here, rejoice. There's the word joy in in Hebrews. And then it says set before him. This one says rejoice in hope. Who for the joy set before him, set before him means Christ knew what was coming. He had hope in what was to come. He had hope to what was to come. So the joy that was set before him endured the cross, persevering in tribulation. Some verses, some, some translations in this says enduring tribulation. He endured the cross. And then this says be devoted to prayer. Do you know what Hebrew says after all this? It says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set at the right hand of the Father. And do you know what Jesus is doing right now at the right hand of the Father? He is devoted to prayer. It says that he is interceding for you and for me. Isn't that crazy? This is his jersey, folks. It's the jersey that he still wears. He wore the joy for the hope set before him. He wore the endurance through tribulation, through suffering. And now he wears the devoted to prayer. And folks, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do the same. You can do the same. Here's what's crazy about what God has done. We know that through the cross and Christ rising from the dead, he defeated the enemy. Now, I wish that he would have just defeated it and it would have been over. But God has a different plan that I don't always understand. But what I'm noticing is that God uses our the enemy. He uses this combo. He uses the enemy and our suffering, our trials, our tribulation to strengthen our faith. It's like his formula. I don't like it. But I also don't like that couch to 5K requires running. I just wish it was couch to 5K with some potato chips. It's so frustrating. I love my wife, but she has such a higher metabolism than me. I just look at celery and I gain weight. I have to work harder at this, right? But... Anything good is hard work, correct? It's hard work. We know that. We don't think differently about that when it comes to to exercise. The same is true here. It's hard. Why God made it hard, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that this is the formula. This is the formula to becoming like Jesus. And listen to me, Marcus, and listen to me, American Christian. If you spend your time You spend your resources and you spend your energy avoiding tribulation. You missed it. You missed it. You completely don't understand. One of the hardest part of my jobs in the last seven years has been burying children. That is not fun. And the saying goes that no parent should ever have to do it. And I agree. 
When I was 21, my best friend, he was also 21, we were absolutely super close. My son, Jesse, is named after him. He died in a plane crash at 21 years old, just had graduated college, was just about ready to get engaged to his girlfriend, had just bought a house. Everything was lining up for my buddy Curtis. And he passed away in a plane crash. Well, I hadn't seen his parents. Oh, I probably hadn't seen his parents in about seven or eight years. And they happened to be in Maine. They're from South Carolina. They happened to be in Maine uh, two, uh, well, last week. And so they came over to visit us. And so now that I'm a pastor and I'm getting these questions a lot, why do bad things happen to good people? And why do people have to bury their children? <laughs> these people are beautiful people. They are absolutely beautiful. And they have a joy about them that is just, you can see it. You can feel it. It's incredible. So I finally, I had him over for about two days. And on the way to the airport, I finally mustered the courage to ask. I said, hey, guys, you lost a child. How, how, are you, how do you do this? How do you do this joy? How do you do what you do? How do, how do, you, how do you do it? I love Mama Bell. I call her Mama Bell. Her name's Terry Bell. I love her. I loved her answer. Here's mom. This is, this is mom of Curtis, and she loved Curtis. I mean, oh, and so did Don, his, his dad, loved Curtis. She goes, Marcus, I have found that I am a horrible counselor to people who have lost children. I said, why? She goes, because they cannot get their vision off the small picture. And she goes, I did for a little while, but then my eyes were opened by the power of the Holy Spirit to the big picture. And do I miss him? Yeah. Am I sad? Yeah. But boy, oh boy, I see the big picture and I have hope. And that's my joy, she says. My hope is my joy. And my hope is my salvation. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in a bigger picture. And I was like, wow. Because it wasn't coming from me, a pastor, who I haven't endured that much tribulation in my life. She has. And it was just incredible to listen to, listen to her. Talk about that. The book of James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind. I don't know about you, but when I read that, that makes me go, No thanks. It's like broccoli, you know? I do like broccoli now that you grill it. Do you know what poor... Pure joy is? Pure joy is my son, Jesse, riding his dirt bike. I was sitting in the middle of that 40-acre field, and it did not matter where he was in that field. I heard the of a two-stroke, and I heard the of a seven-year-old boy with red hair. That's pure joy. The only way that you can consider it pure joy, my friends, when you suffer, when you go through trials, when you go through tribulation, is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're going through something right now and it is just consuming you with doubt, it is consuming you with fear, it is consuming you with worry, it is consuming you with sadness and depression, I do not know exactly what it's like to go through what you're going through. And I am sorry. And I might never know. I don't know. I believe in Jesus that he does. And I believe that he gives the power of the Holy Spirit to change, to change your thought process, your thought pattern, and your vision. I believe that. 
Folks, the original lie, the original lie from Satan to Adam and Eve was that God is not good. And it is still the most popular lie to this day. Do not believe it. Whatever you're going through, don't believe he's not good. Please. It leads to a horrible place when you believe he's not good. And I hate to break it to you. It's not an if. It's a when. And if you claim to be a Christian and you're going to put on Jesus' jersey, it's going to look like rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, and being devoted to prayer. That's what the jersey will look like. God, we thank you for these truths, though they are hard. I don't really like talking about them, but I know, Lord, that you've asked me to share the truth. The word is truth, and this is truth. That suffering, trial, tribulation, we're not exempt from. Actually, not only are we not exempt from God, but we're on a path right forward as a Christian. I want to avoid it at all cost. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you increase my faith? Would you increase the faith of people around here, Lord? Would you not let us believe the lie that you're not good? Behind every tribulation is an enemy. An enemy that wants to destroy the faith of your family, to destroy the faith of you, so that you cannot have faith and those around you won't have faith. It's an awful place. Oh, power of the Holy Spirit, those that are suffering from tribulation, trial, not fun stuff, would you show them your covering of peace, your covering of rest, your covering of grace, your covering of mercy. And Lord, by your power, would you heal? Would you heal? And God, no matter what you do, may we always declare that you are glorious, O Lord, and that your ways are better. You are better. You are better than anything here on earth. Folks, the manger scene, there were shepherds and there was wise men. They were both told that unto you today in the city of David is born a Christ, a Savior. To the shepherds, let me, let me rewind. To the wise men, it was good news. But to the shepherds, it was great news. Why? The wise men came in Cadillacs with huge bankrolls, with massive ability to give gifts, to travel the globe, to have a feather down bed, to have an actual bath. News that there is better to come to someone who already has better is okay news. News that there is better to come to someone who uses a rock for a pillow and fights off fleas from their dog and their sheep. Doesn't use an indoor toilet and smells like a thru-hiker. It's great news to a shepherd. And you know what you and I are? We ain't shepherds. You Well, first we're sheep. You're exactly right. 
You came up a gondola, folks. A gondola. You're a wise man. You came in a car. You will be fed today. You will be fed tomorrow. And as you can see, I've been fed my whole life. You are a wise man. And America, you're in great danger that this is not great news. You're in great danger that this is just yeah news. It's just, yeah okay, news that there's a city over the hill. And my hope is in that city over the hill. I'm just a passing through. The people of the 1800s that suffered like we never will understand. The people of the 1700s and the 1600s, they wrote those words. That there's a city just over those hills where my hope is and I'm just a passing through. And we're in great danger that our hope isn't there. And when you are upset about your tribulation, I understand But you need to check yourself because you might think that you have the right to not be in tribulation. And you might think that you've done the right things to have the right bank account and the right health and the right job and the right spouse and the right kids and the right church. And you're justified. And all the while you take the power away from a savior. And you put it on yourself. And you put it on your ability. Don't. 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 We need a great Savior. We need great news. We need to understand that we're shepherds. And that our big paychecks and our fancy dining and our gondola rides and even this gorgeous vista is just nothing in comparison to the glory of our Heavenly Father that we will be with forever. This is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And that's what Mama Bell meant when she said she can see the bigger picture. That's what Mama Bell meant when she doesn't look at the little picture. This sermon's for me, guys. I watch Patriots games in a comfy chair with comfy food in a comfy car. It's for me. I'm in great danger that this isn't great news. It's just news. Let's stand and sing, How Great Thou Art.